Hello and welcome to another episode of Pakistanomy. My name is Uzair Yunus and joining me today is Usama Nini. Um, he is one of the co-founders of Curious, uh, a startup that is based out of Pakistan and Dubai, going a lot and has been doing a lot of uh, very interesting and fascinating stuff um, on the talent and skilling side. Um, I was, you know, before I started uh, recording this podcast, I was just doing some background research. Um, and it took me back to my college days when career fairs used to be this like really tense moment, right? You go into a big hall and sort of have to hand in your resume and the resume has to be printed a certain way and you have to dress up a certain way. Uh, but Curious recently just digitized um, career fairs, uh, working with and collaborating with a bunch of leading institutions of Pakistan. Um, so really disrupting the way in which talent interacts with those that are seeking talent and how do you skill yourself? How do you find mentors? Um, how do you learn new skills that perhaps you need to excel and, and uh, you know, excel at your career or enter a new career? We'll find out all about that. Um, but first, Usama, thank you for taking out the time. And I'm really glad that we could take out, you know, have this conversation because as I've said in my other podcast recently, a lot of the conversation has been focused on the economy in Pakistan, what's going on with debt, blah, blah, blah. But these are the most fun conversations I have with founders and startups and, and entrepreneurs because it shows a different side of what's going on in the economy. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, so thank you for you know helping us get out of the doom and gloom scenario. And I want to begin this conversation with, you know, help us understand what Curious is, how did it come about, and what's the vision and mission of the startup that you and others have founded? Awesome. Thank you so much for hosting me here, uh, Um So, so cu- about Curious, right? So Curious is 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 trying to, to solve for a very, very simple problem that has been there for multiple decades, if not more. Um, the problem is super simple. What is it that we're trying to solve for is the transition from campus to workplace. That's, that's basically the niche that we're essentially trying to solve for. But when you look at this, this it's it's a much bigger problem um, within this, uh, and the hows differ in the kind of ways that everyone has been trying to solve for this problem. But if you look at it very, um, in a, in a very surgical manner, the problem is about two very simple things, which is access and relevance on both sides, which is students or candidates, if you want to say, uh, call them. On the other side, it's the employers, right? And it's a very simple problem. I'll, uh, after telling you a little about the access and the relevance problem, I would want to, to connect it back to my story. But um, I mean, when you talk about the access, it's about how does the, the biggest problem that a student has is think of a student who has always had a shelter of their parents uh, for most of their time, um, went to their universities, choosing the university that they want to go to. And once they go there, uh, they're usually coupled with some of their really good friends or people, or an entire ecosystem that is solving for them to essentially excel at that particular institution. But when you go beyond that institution, this is the first time you're losing all of that particular um, shelter and the support system that you previously had and what is it about your your best friends become your competitors for the same jobs that you're looking for and and all of a sudden you don't have uh, some of the very important skills or tools that you would need to essentially succeed in uh, in the transition so we want to be that support system and what that support system requires is um, a merit of simple stuff that hey uh, person x you're looking for something of this uh, uh, the sort how about i connect you to the right people and connect you to the right 
uh, audience altogether, and that would be employers, but at the same time mentors. Um, so at Curious, we have three different products uh, within this. We have what we call uh, helping students to uh, connect with the right people, uh, which is our mentors. We have more than 500 mentors from companies like Microsoft, PayPal, Google, Amazon, all across the world that are open to give their feedback, their uh, idea of how to solve a particular problem, explore careers, solve a particular problem, whatever they are facing. So that's one. The second thing is not everyone has had an experience to go through, um, uh, go through internships or job experiences. Now, how do I sort of uh, solve for that particular problem is how about you complete projects on Curious, which are industry backwards, created by these mentors, created by these companies who, um, who are essentially out there trying to solve for this particular problem. And you are essentially helping and showcasing what you're essentially try, uh, can do. So that is more of a uh, building a portfolio sort of a problem. And once you've had both of these things is the last thing that I am trying to solve for is uh, who should I connect with? So based on your profile and the algorithmic match, we match you to the right employer. So it's not about spring and praying and you're applying to hundreds of job opportunities, but rather you are uh, you are focusing on some of the targeted ones, which are the most relevant for you. So that's on the candidate side. But on the employer side, we have another suite of product that essentially allows you to, and to get access of this talent altogether, which is talent from different um, uh, different backgrounds. So someone, an employer sitting in, in Dubai would have access to talent all across the Middle Eastern region um, and Pakistan as, as well, uh, but not only having that access, but also relevance. So I don't want to put out a job posting and get hundreds of candidates, uh, people who are not even relevant to the job posting altogether, but how can I solve for that particular problem? So Relevance and access is the major key that Curious is trying to solve for altogether. And where did this even start from is if you talk about a very key start before this global, I, I, I'm still hesitant to say that we are really in recession or not, but I mean, right before. Almost this, there. <laughs> almost there. But, but almost somewhere, somewhere around mid 2022, uh, there was a key stat that came out, when, which is within the U.S. I mean, the best stats you can get out of is from the U.S. as an economy. There are more jobs available out there than the talent that is available. Um, and, and this is a very stark um, sort of a stat, a stat, right? I mean, how is it possible that there's an unemployment rate, but there are jobs available, but people are not being placed? And the simple problem is, a lot of the times I've heard the simple phenomena of uh, there's not enough talent. And the answer to that question from, from my side is it's not lack of talent, it's lack, lack of talent optimization altogether, uh, which is a problem statement. And that is essentially what Curious is trying to solve for. Yeah. And I think that's a very good point in the sense that, you know, um, we in especially in like STEM fields, uh, highly technical fields, etc. Like I was reading this article uh, last week about how in Ohio, Intel is building up a new manufacturing facility, right? And the unions are saying that this is the best time to be part of a union because there just is not a lot of you know welders and electricians and plumbers and all of that, and they're having a very difficult time because of this friction in the marketplace to bring in other electricians, et cetera, from outside into the region in, in Ohio, where this facility is being built. And they're having to use now finally technology, right? To, to get rid of that friction, but then also at the same time, go into high schools and middle schools to engage with young students to say, look, 
just a software engineer is not the only path for you to have a great career. An electrician makes a lot of money in America, especially a union-backed electrician who's working at a facility like Intel, right? It's a good-paying, uh, well-respected job. So we're seeing a lot of that phenomenon, as you said, um, still in the United States uh, after the pandemic and all over the world. Um, I want to talk about the sort of broader Middle East experience and the growth in ba Pakistan and elsewhere that you've experienced. Because the headline when I read out of Pakistan or India or Bangladesh, right, is that, oh, the government opened up a job for something and 100,000 people applied. Um, youth unemployment is constantly talked about. Um, and again, to me, that's a bit of a, a friction point, right? It's an allocation and relevance uh, issue that's there. Um, what has been the growth trajectory like uh, for you as a startup? And and what have been some of the lessons that you've learned as you sort of tried to scale in this marketplace, given the youth bulge, given the need for jobs, but also given that the friction points are also like much more significant and stark in these markets, primarily because of geographic sort of like diversity? Yep, yep. Uh, very fair question. So, I mean, as a as a Middle Eastern, I'll, I'll I'll talk about the Middle Eastern and Pakistan altogether. Uh, but but I mean, if you if you think about the opportunities are limitless in this region, right? Uh, I mean, um, even if you make a difference of uh, of the Middle Eastern or more popular Middle Eastern countries like UAE and Saudi, they have a, a whole lot of opportunities all uh, all across. So I mean, the opportunities are there. So people getting recruited from all across the world are coming there. But at the same time, when you talk about Pakistan, um, there are different segments within which the opportunities are limitless altogether. Some opportunities are for job opportunities itself, but but the other opportunities with these with every crisis, there is an opportunity to build something even bigger and better. So I'm sure there um, there are a lot of opportunities coming up and in the last couple of years we've seen a lot of major startups coming out of the pakistani scene which hasn't been the case as well uh, previously so to solve for that the simple answer is that uh, one thing that you just mentioned 100000 people applying to a particular job opening uh, if all 100000 of them ex are expecting that someone at the on the other end is going to be reviewing all 100000 of them is is definitely not going to be true um, no matter what so uh, the the real answer to this problem is that uh, I feel like there is, and this is this is my personal understanding that there is some sort of a desperation that is kicking in, hearing all the negativity uh, around when I'm talking about Pakistan, but uh, but that's not really true, right? There there are still uh, more than 230 million people that need to be fed um, at the end of the day. These are this 230 million people who are not on on one day just going to get up and leave the uh, leave the country, right? I mean, they still the country still needs to learn uh, to function altogether. And if the country is going to function, it's going to be these disruptions that are going to be solving the problem altogether. So, uh, so in my opinion, it's really about if the talent can really understand what is it that they are essentially looking for, what is the niche that they're creating for themselves and be more targeted. And that is actually going to help the employers on the other side as well. So, so I think this is, this is very, very much important for these talent to really realize what are they essentially looking for um, and creating their own niche and actually specializing on something and providing that as a produce of a product altogether rather than uh, spraying and praying and hoping that something is going to solve for their problem by applying to hundreds and thousands of jobs.
Yeah, and I think that's a very uh, important point, right? And I, as I said at the onset, I was reading about the digital career fairs, et cetera, that you all have done in partnership with institutions. Um, we often hear um, in, in the Pakistani case, uh, in, but it's true across the world that, you know, big institutions have inertia, right? They're not that keen to disrupt um, themselves, disrupt the old ways of doing business. And career fair is as old as it can be in terms of how things work in, a, in an educational institution. What was that experience like? Um, and what was the takeaway from doing something like that, both on the university and student side, but more importantly, on the employer side, right? Because traditionally, employers also use that fair as a means to sort of recruit highly uh, uh, you know, capable talent uh, into their organization. So when you digitize that process, and I think if I remember my figure correctly, like in under four seconds, you were matching people up. Tell us a bit about how that worked and what what was the feedback that you got on all sides of the stakeholders here? Oh, that was an exciting journey. I mean, kudos to our team to, for pulling the, this off. But I mean, uh, kudos to all the stakeholders that, that took part, right? I mean, uh, the first question when when someone came up in the team and was like, let's 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 make it happen. Uh, we were, um, if I am quoting myself exactly, we were, I think, 74 hours away from the event actually taking place in the first career wow. fair that we were going to and and the uh and sitting in front of uh those uh decision makers in the in the institution and they were like how will you make it happen in the next 74 hours it's 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 pretty much impossible and you were like uh let, let us give it a try and and we'll show you how this happens and uh and kudos to them to actually take a bet on us uh and actually form this partnership a lot of the the older mindsets would have probably said that hey let's let's take it up next year but uh, but i mean uh, they did take a, take a bet and i mean it was a ripple effect all over uh, right after so i mean um, the the process was super simple from from our side we um, we had employers coming on board as part of the partnership uh, from that uh, uh, from those institutions and and the process was super simple the idea behind it was the problem within the career fair so as a student when i look back at my own self i went to these career fairs and at some point it started feeling a little pointless altogether uh, and why was that because i mean everyone there all my peers are there to sell themselves uh, as uh, and show what exactly uh, what they are essentially there to um, to offer to the organization and organizations are there for the same so it was more of a sales and marketing sort of an activity altogether it's like um, speed dating basically for a job exactly Exactly. And and I'm not really getting value out of it, right? Why should I choose this company over that company? I'm not getting enough time. I'm, all I'm worried about is how can I get to, let's say, uh, 100 companies there and, and try and sprint pray as many of them as much as possible. So, I mean, that is... Uh, that is probably the not the best way to go about doing things. So what we essentially decided to do uh, was that, hey, let's take away that, that urge of getting to 100 or away from those uh, those students, right? Let's focus on real networking, real value uh, solving. So the answer was simple. Hey, if you have come on board and if you have set up your profile on Curious and if you have applied to at least one role through that particular QR code that was put on the on the uh, on each booth, then you based on your experience and your program and your year of graduation, you will be. Um, you will be recommended to other opportunities with uh, from the other 99 companies that are on uh, there. So it makes it super, super simple. You don't have to worry about um, being connected to those. So it's 
So what actually started happening was students faced, uh, spent a lot more time in actually really building relationships. Employers loved it because now they don't have to take stacks of paper and, uh, and actually look through them and slice and dice them in different ways. They're, because they're you're using technology on the back end to, to exactly. match them with the right stuff. And, and they can now slice and dice. They can see who is graduating this year, who from what program across different schools. So this is really, really important data for, for employers. So at the end of the day, we uh, and the outcome that was actually thought of was efficiency within the entire process, more connectivity um, between employers and students. And, and while both of them loved the solution, the um, the party that was the most beneficial out of this was the school institution itself. And, and we didn't really think about it previously, but I mean, after the event, what we realized was that we were sitting on, on such a huge database of not only students interested in what uh, careers altogether because we now we could map what industries are students of particular year interested in but also which program is creating students in a particular uh, to go in a particular direction and and the universities were super confused that why are students preferring one over the other on top of it the most exciting piece was at some in, uh, cases and i would say some uh, it was not the best placement of the sponsors altogether on the on the day what we could see is that what was expected outcome of the footfall for this that particular location for that particular sponsor or that employer turned out to be very different and the footfall on this other uh, corner was a lot more and and now we can also help in, uh, schools plan their uh, career fairs even better so i mean it's a, it's a win-win situation altogether that's that's amazing and and I hope that that continues to scale up and I'm guessing the success will will make other institutions partner up on, on something like this as well. Um, in terms of growth of your startup, um, obviously as as we talked about, the world is near if not already in a recession. Money's gotten a bit more expensive around the world. In the U.S., we've had just this past week alone, right? Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, all sorts of stuff that basically are is basically you know on the macro side the fed popping the bubble by raising rates um obviously the middle east is a very different situation because of the commodity boom and things like that i was just in in dubai as well and you could see um that it, there is some level of insulation there not a lot but pakistan is a bit different um what are your goals as an organization in the next let's say 12 to 18 months in terms of growth and where you're going to invest and how you're going to sort of achieve the next round of of, of scaling. Um, help us understand a bit of that. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean the the world is going through a lot of pain right now. But uh, but as we said, and curious, we are we are rather always looking at the positive. So uh, we see this as one of the biggest opportunities in a decade uh, for ourselves. Um, we're, what we are going through right now. We are looking at. Uh, uh, unfortunately, the the biggest layoffs um, in in the last couple of years, uh, we are seeing a huge talent pool that is coming out that prefers remote because remember these guys graduated with uh, um, with uh, or were in school when uh, when they were when we were going through the COVID period. So we are seeing this as a huge opportunity altogether, and I'll tell you why. Because I mean, if you think about it there is going to be recession every 10 years as predicted, right? So there is, there's going to be this time. But during this time, what we're seeing is a huge talent pool that is being 
that is out there available and actually wanting to either upskill themselves or want to be available for the job market. And a product like ourselves, if we can get to as much talent as uh, as possible and sort of make them uh, come under a certain umbrella and slice and dice them and actually recommend them the right place, we are sitting on a gold mine for the next couple of years to come because now it's not only about what we can grow towards, but we are actually looking at all the real pain points that, this, that these students or early in career are going to work, uh, through and how can we solve for their problems, not only through job recommendations, but also through upscaling them into different uh, pieces. So I think the talent aggregation, today we are uh, north of 250,000 talent base that is within our, ta uh, within our talent pool today. Um, uh, mind you, when we started, uh, when we when we were at our pre-seed stage uh, a little over a year ago, we were at somewhere around 10,000. So wow. it's been a journey, uh, if I were to say, almost 25 times um, in, a, in, a, in almost a year. So... Given given next year, and, uh, and I'm sure we can hit this more than a million now. So we are sitting on a very rich talent pool to not only solve for the, the very basic problem of jobs optimization, but also for learning optimization going forward. And then I think, again, uh, from an employer perspective, right, like in a downturn, there are two types of companies. One that kind of want to optimize their own size. We're seeing this at Meta, for example, another 10,000 laid off. Um, but there are a lot of them that, you know, are much more, have been much more conservative and prudent in how they've sort of sought talent. And we see a lot, even in the United States, and I've been reading stories about how um, they're hiring more now, right? Because all of a sudden, um, the technology person graduate coming out with a computer science degree who would have wanted to go into Google or Meta or Twitter or other Silicon Valley startups, um, they're, they overhire, they're rationalizing. But then you have companies like GM, Ford, JP Morgan, et cetera, who are like, hey, we actually need technology talent and we're in a much better position now. And from your perspective, I think that's also awesome in the sense that if you can help them optimize uh, to find the right talent that's entering the job market or coming out and has upskilled themselves, it's an amazing opportunity for them as well because they were struggling over the last few years in the tech boom period to find that capable talent. And now there's a lot of it out there. Um, so I think, and, the, uh, and the talent is also realizing, right? Uh, talent is also evolving. So it, it doesn't mean that that someone who worked one year in Meta just because someone ex someone told them that this is a great company to work at, uh, and they believed it to be, it could be that they're that they're not built for those sort of companies. Um, I mean, we need to look at our own selves, and and we are constantly evolving. So when I when we talk about our own optimizations or talent matching and optimization, it actually happens not only through the the background or professional background or the educational background, but rather on the cultural background and the cultural piece and what the the person has actually done. So. Once we are taking in all of these data points, the optimization becomes a lot more rich altogether. Yeah, I think that's a very important point, which is a great pivot into um, you know me wanting to ask you a bit about your own journey. And I'll start that conversation to your point on my own experience, right? As you said that, I went to college in 2007, um, thinking that I want to go into the investment banking field, get into uh, Boston at Bentley University. I'm wearing their hoodie right now, in, in fact. Um, and I was like, I want to be an investment banker. They had a wonderful trading room and all of that. 2008, financial crisis happens and there are no investment banking jobs. Um, but then on top of it, just you talked about cultural fit. 
as I learned more about the investment banking industry and talked to people, professors, alumni, et cetera, kind of realized that that wasn't the place for me, right? And I wanted to go in a different direction with my career. I think that's very important. And I think that learning has to happen for uh, you know, young adults when you're 18, 19, 20, learning a bit more about yourself, exploring different pathways. Um, it's very important that you don't stick to something um, that you perhaps thought that was optimal for you, unless there are some professions where you have to, if you're becoming a doctor, it needs five years of you know work to be able to get there. But in a lot of other fields, it doesn't. Um, so tell us a bit about your own journey um, and your own career and your own journey as an entrepreneur. And how did you end up being in the place that you are? And what are some things you picked up along the way that perhaps younger listeners here are like, what do we, you know, what can we learn from from you and 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 things to take care of as you think about your own career? For sure. I mean, uh, uh, me and my co-founders, so my other co-founders, Alex, who is Swedish-Romanian and uh, and uh, Merad, who is Persian-American, uh, from completely different uh, uh, geographical backgrounds, completely different age groups, um, Complete, uh, usually joke around. So both of them are um, are a product of mentorship and whatever they have become is part of what they have essentially gotten from their mentors. Uh, but I am a product of lack of my, uh, mentorship altogether. And uh, why I say that is because I had to experiment a lot of things to, to figure out what I really wanted to do. And I, uh, I mean, my journey is super simple. I've been born and raised in Karachi, Pakistan, moved to Canada uh, to go to school there. Uh, still know that this uh, that moving to Canada was not part of the merit altogether. It was rather a privilege uh, that was that I was born with, which is some sort of a guilt that I live with altogether. And there was uh, there was a guilt that was sort of seeded at that point that that hey, one day. I need to somewhat give back this privilege and sort of make this this world a better place in some way or the other. I mean, it's not like uh, I'm gonna do uh, go and achieve bigger things, but I mean, if I can somewhat um, somewhat try and make a change from uh, in whatever way I can. So the answer was super simple. In one way or the other, I need to give back to the the society where I was from. Um, so uh, I mean, moved to Canada, started off my um uh my my educational um uh, studies uh, abroad but but what i really was pushed towards was hey i mean this is how the uh, this is how we, we've been brought up if you are good at numbers how about you go and do accounting and uh, and go to the ca route CA or acca <laughs> ca or acca route and and you and you're going to be set for life uh, and uh, and i was like okay i'm good with numbers let's let's do uh, let's do accounting and and i mean getting all of those a's and stuff it was it was exciting as it gets right uh, i mean you think uh, this is going to be the life but uh, but the uh, but i was lucky enough again a privilege um which was getting the first intern after my first year of schooling and and I realized uh, I was in the audit and assurance crowd and I was like, hey, I really don't want to do this. Um, then uh, the second I can piece... I can relate to that. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a light bulb moment, right? You're like, oh, crap. Like, I may be good at this, but do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? Hell no. The answer was no. Uh, always no. And the uh, and for me, the barometer was I looked at my manager who was in some in some cases, three or five years older than uh, where I was. And I was like, do I really want to be doing what he or she is doing um, from five years from now? And the answer was always no. So 
So that's why I had to change my route. Second year comes in, uh, like that I was not the only one who who made uh, who got this uh, realization. I moved towards the FPNA route because that is the most simple transition financial planning analysis, and that is what I went towards. Realized, uh, worked at one of the largest mining companies um, in Canada. Realized this is something I don't want to do again. So I was like, okay, how do I transition from here on? And then Num- numbers was, clearly was not your calling was, was not really working. And uh, this is when I was, someone told me they were like, maybe you should try the investments route. Uh, and I was like, okay, and uh, let's give it a try. I went down the private equity and hedge fund finance sort of route actually was again, lucky enough to get those. Uh, Though I will be honest, I, I liked what I was doing, but it was not self-fulfilling enough. And I was like, um, I don't want to be investing in people who are bringing the change. I want to be the one bringing the change. Um, so that is when I decided that, hey, enough is enough. Let's uh, And startup scene was growing, luckily, in the Middle East and in Pakistani regions, which I was hearing about. I was like, let's, uh, let's, let's try for some disruption. And that is when I joined a fintech startup in Canada only. Uh, super early stage, uh, took hands on all. It was just a group of 11 people, nine engineers and product people. Only the CEO and myself were the two people who were doing sales, HR, marketing, um operations you name it everything was was basically both of us working towards and that was the most exciting part from uh at least for me for myself i loved doing a lot of things um and trying to build a strategy around and then growing uh, and hustling but uh the answer was that at that startup we were we were basically selling to one of the larger banks uh, across the world and the answer was am i really wanting to to help these rich people make more money or do I really want to bring about a change that I had sort of promised myself a couple of years ago. And that is when I decided to join one of the mass mobility startups in the region, move to Dubai, uh, somewhat make a soft landing before getting back to Pakistan um, and essentially um, launched a couple of markets for them. So UAE, Jordan, Saudi, saw an amazing startup growth journey. uh, 10x growth in terms of valuation uh, reached uh, IPO level. And then as soon as that announcement came out, um, that is around the time when I had also met my now co-founder, Alex Epior. He uh, um, he was leading the Middle Eastern unit for the business. And that is when um, he and Merad were already working on Curious as a side project. Curious, by the way, was never supposed to be a startup. Uh, the fun fact is it was a passion project. And that is when Alex and Merad, uh, Alex told me that, hey, this is a school project that I'm working on along with Merad. Do you want to, you know, do you want to jump on board? Started working a little, and then we were like, hey, let's turn this into a startup. So the the accelerating journey of uh, growing a startup in the Middle East was was done, and I was like, let's let's focus more towards edtech, which is really closer to my heart, and I really think is going to be the most beneficial thing that you can do for this region to grow um, from uh, into the next future uh, as we all expect or hear a lot of people talking about uh, Pakistan being one of the bigger forces to come out of but I mean uh, this the problem is the same for almost all uh, emerging economies and then here I am where I could not take the privilege to um, the privilege was the reason I moved to the west and and that guilt that guilt took brought me back and in terms of helping uh, hopefully 
a lot more people around me um, and bringing back the experience. And hopefully with this uh, as a journey, more people will be able to get the experience either of the West or be able to go to the West and get more uh, learnings. But hopefully most of, most of us can come back and come back. Yeah. And I think that it's, thank you for sharing that. That's a really fascinating personal journey. Right. And I think the fact that at a very early stage, you were, as I was hearing you talk, that you had a recognition, not only that you wanted to sort of make use of your privilege and, and sort of give back, um, which is very uh, rare at that young age, but then also kind of knowing that what you're, what, what wasn't your calling, right? And I think a lot of times, especially in our culture, um, people are told to be doctors, engineers, lawyers, accountants, and that's what you do. And that's it. And they never really are given the mentorship guidance or the freedom uh, intellectually uh, to go and experiment, right? And I think um, we often hear people say 30, uh, you know, 60% of Pakistan's uh, population is under 30, they're the future. Um, but I'm like, well, we need to empower them with critical thinking, give them the freedom to disrupt, give them the freedom to experiment, because if not them, then you lose another generation to stagnation, right? And that's what you can't have. And, and as you said, the entire region is, is that part of that story. India is part of that story. Bangladesh is part of that story. Sri Lanka, Iran, UAE, Saudi, et cetera, Jordan even. Um, and I think one thing that I recall, and I don't know if you feel differently about this, was that I graduated college in 2010. And so a lot of my peers who went to school in Karachi and then went all over the world and studied some studies in Pakistan as well, um, the definite route was, you know, a cushy multinational type job, right? The second transition was going to startups, um, but not a lot did that. Um, what I see now is the transition that says people want to be entrepreneurs or they want to sort of have more of an impact. Um, they're a lot more impact focused these days, which is a great thing to see that shift happening, right? Because people don't want to just go work for Engro. They're like, I want to work for a startup. I want to be at a high growth place not only because it's financially potentially extremely lucrative if you hit it out of the park, but that's not the only driver. I think a lot of young adults that I talk to are actually going in for impact, right? They want to have that positive thing that you talked about giving back. As you look back at your career um, uh, over the years and you've interacted with a lot of younger people, like what are, for, for somebody who's listening in right now, what are some like keys to success? Um, that they should think about and invest themselves and their time in um, to succeed at a startup or in fact, go on and become an entrepreneur like yourself? Like, what have you seen as like the, here are some things you should think about and do if you want to really excel here? Hmm. Uh, tough one, because uh, I wouldn't consider myself successful as yet. But uh, but I mean, um, I would I can definitely share some, some of what I have sort of learned uh, across the way. The the answer is is simple, right? Um, and I understand. I do really understand why people in the past were not able to to do things that they really wanted to do, mainly because it was an existential risk altogether. Um, there was um, people were super scared uh, because uh, the it was the fear of the unknown. What uh, what what is it that you would get if you failed uh, while doing a startup, right? Uh, working on your own startup. But uh, but today the world is very different. Uh, I mean, some some 
some success stories. Uh, I mean, some really, really good funding rounds in the past couple of years in Pakistan. Um, the exit of Kareem in the region, that was that was an uplift altogether, right? I think Kareem uh, and Pakistan and, and Flipkart in, in India were like two huge seismic shifts that sort of, you know, birthed an entire generation of would-be entrepreneurs. Exactly. And and this is this is where people who who went through this journey, uh, who we now call the Kareem Mafia, uh, or or the uh, or every everyone else who's been who's been striving, they they have a glimmer of hope, right? They they're like, hey, if if we are on the right track and if we build the right thing, um, and if we are actually creating an impact, we will definitely get to that point, um, or we will be rewarded. So so I think people have more hope uh, altogether, uh, which is great. Uh, but at this at the end of it, I mean. Don't don't just start something up because you want to to a raise big rounds b um uh, maybe uh, have a lot of people talking about yourself. I mean it's not an easy journey, right? Especially in these times, it's it's probably the worst uh, times to do so and to obviously uh, be thinking of building something which is super super hard. But at the same time, people who are going to be building right now with their right impact uh, at heart uh, will definitely be able to succeed because now we'll we are in a very very unique and a very good point uh, in uh, um, in the in the pakistani ecosystem as i would say which is we have some success stories or some glimmer of success stories um, which is great now people are seeing that this if you have the right um, mindset, you can definitely achieve bigger things. But at the same time, all the people who came in into the startup space only for this to be an exciting or the or the shiny thing uh, to be doing uh, will probably uh, go away. And and you what you're going to be left with is going to be the real entrepreneurs who's going to be building for the right reasons and for the right impact altogether. Um, and uh, and hopefully this is going to be a great journey and this is going to be the birth of where Pakistani startups actually scale super, super fast. So I think I'm um, very optimistic altogether. And, and that think if people go down this journey altogether, I think this will be the super uh, success story that people can follow. Yeah, and I think I agree with you that this is when, you know, if you look at sort of the last big wave of the really impactful global unicorns, right? A lot of them scaled in the global financial crisis. Um, and I think this is, again, the same situation because now um, no one's going to cut you a check for a million, two million, five million dollars uh, just because you have a great presentation and a great sounding idea. You got to work hard on making the case on, on your financials, on your strategy and really convince the investor on the other side that you're the right person or the team to back on and you have a fundamentally legit idea uh, because free money isn't there anymore, right? And I think a lot of people I've been talking about is like, oh, this era of free money is over, this ecosystem's done. I'm like, no, actually the most impactful businesses over the next 10, 15, 20 years will be born in this downturn because that is going to only let the fittest survive. And that's the beauty, right? I think I, I, I often say on the podcast, I'm unashamedly a capitalist. And this is the beauty of capitalism, right? The incentive structure is now going to demand that only the best survive because money is expensive and the world is in a downturn. Um, so I fully agree with you um, on that as well. Um, Osama, this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, and before I let you go, I always ask my guests, um, what are two or three books that you would recommend to the audience? I'm smiling because... Uh... 
um because i'm not an avid reader uh, myself um i and and there's a there's a particular reason why i don't read that much one is a uh, that i believe that whatever the stories or books are are rather um a perspective of the author themselves right um so i'm nothing against them but the the only way to to cut out that that perspective is by reading multiple books on the same topic altogether uh, which i haven't been able to sort of uh, dedicate my time towards but i'm more of an audio listener uh, altogether um i do like to listen uh, one of the the most exciting podcast that i've heard is business wars so people who haven't heard uh, it is uh, should definitely try but i mean i'm more focused towards uh, or very much excited about the politics uh, and knowing what exactly is happening around the world so um, i mean from the global uh, so politics and finance some sort of finance did stick with me so i mean if uh, a, a simple habit that i have is reading through or browsing through morning newsletters from seeking alpha or wall street journal i think those are the best ones to keep up to date with whatever is happening it's more of a narration i'm partial but, uh, to the bloomberg newsletter but the journal one is quite good as well <laughs> that that's what really helps me but uh, and uh, and the third um, and for for the local landscape uh, i mean again not letting the bias creep in i try to listen to as many different journalists or um um or media outlets out there so i can i can grasp the situation from different perspectives and not really create a bias so so that is my different my particular way of actually um staying up to date or actually reading more towards things Yeah no that's uh, the bias point is extremely important right i think especially in the downside of the algorithmic tech based ecosystem of information is that the algorithms and reinforce your bias so you actually have to be very conscious about how you're exactly. searching for and finding information because otherwise twitter feed or other things will basically give more of what you read or more of what you like and follow um which sometimes means that you've created a bubble for yourself um that the technology then prevents uh you from sort of diversifying and i think again that's a very good insight in the it's, fact that it's very funny uh, i'll i'll share one last thing over here uh, i mean related to the topic of bias uh, i was speaking to one of my really good friends uh, who's a journalist uh, and uh, he was talking about how um and they and they basically work for a, a global uh, outlet uh, and what they essentially were saying that whatever we write um these days about pakistan we have to put inflation we have to put uh, uh, poverty or islamists in in uh, in in our title or somewhere in our in our write up even if it's not related to it because this is what what sells and that is rather creating a bias altogether right i mean why do we have to put those words in when we don't have to and you have to cut through that noise and actually not look at the headlines and actually go into the nitty gritties of the topic and hear it from different people to really understand understand what uh, what the real truth is about and i'm uh, kudos to uh, to people who are doing podcasts now like like yourselves who are actually helping the real uh, narrative actually come out rather than uh, the the filtered version altogether yeah no i think that's a it's a big downside and i think it's going to get worse now with ai based like you know chat gpt and others because they're going to basically conversation based chat on ai is going to have a bias towards what's already on the internet and if already as you said on the internet you have to put certain keywords in to get higher rankings by leading publications 
then chat GPT is also going to over-index on something like that. So it's a loop that has to be at some point um, broken. I think we've seen people catch up to it, right? I think particularly um, younger generation that is digitally native has sort of realized that. So we see now numbers shift onto YouTube and onto podcasting and onto other platforms because they kind of get it that, you know, these are bubbles that are being created and we need to be aware of it. But very, very important point. And I think, again, um, that's the downside of technology. All technologies have downsides and we need to be wary of that. They're mostly on the upside. But again, thank you for your time today uh, and for sharing your journey, for sharing a, a bit about Curious and wish you and your team all the best. And you're doing amazing work, um, fulfilling a big gap in the market um, that has having real impact, especially in a country like Pakistan. So wish you all the best and 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 hope you get to that million number uh, as soon as possible in the shortest amount of time because that's what's needed. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us over.